This is a Federal News Network podcast. Tech companies are increasingly at the center of Washington's bureaucracy. They're looking to influence major federal developments ranging from the Technology Modernization Fund to cyber and supply chain security. The Alliance of Digital Innovation is among those tech groups jockeying to have its voice heard. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday caught up with the new executive director at the ADI, former Senate and White House staff member Ross Noderft. Yeah, we've seen a lot now in the wake of COVID. And I think that people are experiencing their government in a new way, right? We've, we've seen a movement towards a more digitalized public sector experience. And I think that it has been moved forward aggressively over the last couple of years. And that we're not looking back. I, and yeah, I say this all the time to folks. It's not as though the pandemic and people needing to work from home or people needing to interact with their government from uh, virtual environments is going to just recede. I think that what we've seen is a huge step forward and we're not looking back. This is a a tide that's going to keep rising. And, you know, I'm excited for what ADI can help bring to bear as we we partner with the the federal agencies who who are really delivering on these important missions. I wanted to ask specifically about the Technology Modernization Fund. There's the the big influx of funding with the $1 billion in the American Rescue Plan. Projects there are starting to kick off. And obviously, looking more long-term at the future of the fund, what what are some of your priorities as this ball really starts to get rolling in a pretty big way under the TMF? So we're supportive of what's happening with the Build Back Better on the House side, right? There's there's additional money that has been put in um, on the House side that that we hope is is part of the broader Build Back Better plan that continues to grow that fund. At the same time, you know we're encouraged by uh, what we've seen already. We, we will want to see what additional projects look like that are going to come out of the TMF, and we would, you know, ADI members are going to want to continue to partner with the agencies that they are are closely aligned with and working with already to make sure that they're building out those project plans so that they make sense and so that the agencies get the best bang for their buck out of the technology that they're investing. Are there any specifics that you're tracking on the administration of the TMF going forward? I know ADI had previously kind of advocated for staffing up the TMF and and then really highlighting success stories. Is that kind of the big focus when you're looking at more of the executive branch administration side for the fund? Look, I think that we need to really make sure that the TMF is fully funded, fully staffed to execute to your point and what ADI has said before. Um, but also that it's it's staffed with the people who understand the roles that modern cloud-based technology plays in really driving some of the missions forward in meaningful ways, right? And, and really understand that this is a tool for departments and agencies to up their game in the cybersecurity front and up their game from how the, the mission owners can interact with the different technology systems that really drive those missions forward. And then another big initiative for the Biden administration is, of course, supply chain security, cyber and and supply chain security. The administration is working through the Commerce Department to produce a big report on the ICT supply chain and it's slated for release early next year. Is that something that you're focused on at all? Do, Do you have anything that you'd like to advocate for there? I mean, look, I think the administration has done a lot. So we got to look at it. It's it's two administrations at this point in time, right? So we've had the Trump administration was taking a hard look at supply chain. Uh, the Biden administration has continued forward, uh, really focusing on supply chain. And it's it's there's efforts across the board, whether it's uh, the DHS Scrum Task Force, which you identified over at the Department of Commerce, 
some of the other efforts in the Department of Defense right now from a supply chain security standpoint. I think that there's a whole host of supply chain security efforts going on right now. And I think they're important. I think it's, it's, it's a mindset shift that we as a country are, are right to take. ADI is really going to make sure that we are doing what we need to do from a supply chain security standpoint, while at the same time making sure that we are still doing what we have to to accelerate acquisition of those technologies. I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time, right? I think we want to make sure that we are investing in the commercial technology, commercial cloud-based technology that makes sense for agencies while making sure that we're doing what we need to to get the outcome that we're looking for. And I think it's that's a that's an important distinction, right? We want what do we want? We want secure supply chains when it comes to technology. IT and uh, comm sector supply chain security. And now we're totally in favor of that, but we cannot lose the forest through the trees. And we have to make sure that our acquisition practices don't suffer or lag from that and continue to move forward. We have to make sure that we are continuing to invest in those uh, modern cloud-based technologies as we are looking at what processes we need to put in place for supply chain security. And on a similar note, you know, cloud, cloud services, cloud in general, kind of has had an interesting role in the Biden administration's push for better cybersecurity because obviously the cybersecurity executive order pushed agencies to, to move toward the cloud to be more secure. On the same token, we've seen some attacks that have used clouds as sort of a, a staging base, for lack of a better word, pull off some, some major cyber attacks. And the Biden administration has obviously been very focused on focusing on cloud security, bringing them into CISA's joint cyber collaborative. What kind of balance do you think you can strike there when it comes to focusing on security in the cloud and some of the policies and, and, and initiatives that the administration and Congress are working on when it comes to cloud security? Yeah, I think that attackers are going to find whatever vector they can whenever they have an opportunity. So as we naturally progress to a more cloud-based environment, you're going to see the threats move towards more cloud-provided platforms and services. So I think it's incumbent upon both the technology companies to build that security in from the beginning, which cloud-based modern uh, software that's developed and cloud uh, technology generally has that in mind when they're doing it. So being able to have that come in the door and then the partnership, I think, is key, right? So you've got companies that are providing technology and companies that are supporting that that modern approach to to cloud security that are really paying attention to how things are configured when they go in, how they work together with each other, what types of data they're accessing. And it's important to be able to take these modern cloud-based technologies and put them into an environment that is architected appropriately, which is where the agency comes in. And it's important for us to, again, invest in that workforce that understands these technologies, understand how they work together, because they, they really can work together seamlessly to provide a, a much higher level uh, of security than some of these agencies have had in the past. So, it really is important to focus on, on how we are educating the workforce that is both configuring and deploying and maintaining these new modern systems and modern approaches to, uh, to the architectures that we're, we're, we're putting in place. Ross Noderft, Executive Director at the Alliance for Digital Innovation, speaking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Check out Justin's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving 
our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and 
how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, DC, I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. 
Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. Pop quiz. What can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month, and you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Many of us, if we're being honest, have given up hope on good sleep. But why? Well, if you're like me, you've tried everything and nothing has helped. So if we're not going to sleep well anyway, why try? That kind of thinking is so 2021. It's time to rethink our nights and days and demand more from our sleep. Talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more.